Welcome to Empowered by Women for Women. This podcast brings you inspirational women and their stories, their successes, and their experiences along the way. Join us to be challenged and inspired. Brought to you by Invintage and hosted by myself, Trudy Kerr. 30-year-old Amber is a performer and a singer who's had an outstanding career, even at the tender age of 30. Amber has represented Malta at the Eurovision. Amber has performed on tour in the UK, Austria and Russia. She's performed duets with Joseph Kalea and Ronan Keating. Amber performed at the opening ceremony of Chogham in front of all of the heads of state and the Queen. Amber was also invited to perform at Isle of MTV concert along with Wiz Khalifa, Jess Glynn, Clean Bandit, Steve Aoki, amongst others. And on top of that, she's enjoyed a television and radio career, recently graduated with a master's in innovation and creativity. And on top of that, she's active in charity works. Welcome, Amber. Thank you. How are you? I'm I'm. Oh, thank you. I'm really good. People don't often ask me that. Um, I'm really good. How are you? I'm fine. I'm good. Apart from the heat. Obviously. Yes. But I'm good. It's been a little bit, tiny bit warm. Yes. Well, listen, did I miss anything out of my introduction, Amber? Um, No, not really. Apart from the fact I'm also a teacher. I'm also a primary teacher. What? (laughs) Yes. How do you fit that in? I simply don't sleep most of the time. (laughs) Um, I mean, seriously, you obviously don't sleep. I mean, there is a lot to have achieved by the time you're 30. I'm quite a busy person. I try to keep myself busy most of the time. Um, I have a lot of things going on, but they all give me great satisfaction. And I'm really happy, as you mentioned, the fact that I'm still 30 and I managed to do most of the things in my 20s. So... Yeah, I mean, that, that is an amazing resume that we just read out there. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. But tell me, which of these events and experiences that I've listed is the most memorable? What's been the all-time high? It has to be Eurovision. Why? Because um, since the age of seven, I used to watch Eurovision every single year. And at the back of my mind, although I never imagined myself being a singer... At the back of my mind as a child, I always thought of it, of being there, being on stage. You never planned to be a singer? No, not really. I, I trained judo for 11 years. Yes. Uh, that I was quite obscure. Mm, I was in the national team. Really? But <laughs> no, Amber, that's really obscure. <laughs> it's, okay. It's the opposite of what I do now. But I never gave music that much priority, but... It was always there somehow. I always felt it, even as a child. I always felt I was going to be a performer somehow. And all the things I've done in my career ultimately were leading to Eurovision. We're not going to dwell on Eurovision too much because we've actually discussed Eurovision a couple of times already on this podcast. But suddenly you find yourself propelled into the public eye, working on a Eurovision entry for six months. Is, was everything about the experience positive? Was there, was there any drawbacks to it at all? Most of it is positive, but there are some drawbacks. First of all, the fact that um, your life changes overnight completely. People start recognizing you, stopping you, wanting to talk to you, having a more busy schedule. But I think the toughest thing was the fact that 
it wasn't Amber who was participating in the Eurovision, but it was Malta. I was representing Malta. So the responsibility was far bigger, apart from the fact that I was in my third year at university, my teaching um, degree. So I, I, I still continued with my studies. I was doing teaching practice. That's why I'm a busy person. I don't like to let things yeah, but go. That, I mean, first of all, you're 24. Yeah, and 23, you... because I was 24. Two days after Eurovision, I turned 24, two wow. days after, exactly. And you, there you are representing yes. the nation and you've just been propelled into the public eye. Exactly. And people are recognizing you on the street. And on top of all of that, you are studying for your last year of your degree. Yep, exactly. It, it was tough. It was tough. Um, I had radio interviews, TV interviews. I had to prepare makeup, hair, rehearsals every single day. I try to keep myself busy, as I said in the beginning. So I don't like to quit. Oh, that was a little bit beyond busy. Yes, it was. It was. And it was tough because I had to juggle between lectures, radio interviews, TV interviews. So one of the things that helped me um, when I went up to Eurovision, the fact that three years back I was at, I was at Eurovision as a backing vocalist with Kurt Kaleya. So I knew um, what I had to do when it was my turn, when I actually had the chance to be there. Wait, 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 hang on a second. This is, with, this is with the song, This Is The Night. Yes. Did you have to do the dance? Oh, don't remind me. <laughs> I spent... Are you serious? Almost three months trying, trying to learn this move. In fact... Um, this is the wiggly feet. The wiggly feet. Well, let's start from there. I have two left feet. I don't know how to dance. I have no, no rhythm whatsoever. Exactly whatsoever. So imagine me having to sing. Apart from that, I don't have any coordination. So imagine I have to sing and do this move with my feet. And I was really pressured to do this because they were telling me, listen, um, this was a day before the, the biggest dance. They, were, they had the biggest dance at Piazza San Giorgio in Valletta. And they told me, listen, if you don't get it right, we'll have to scrap it. So I had all this what? responsibility as a 21-year-old having to learn this move. And thank God, thank God I did because... That's very mean of Kurt Kalea. No, but I do understand that it would have been totally different. Imagine being on stage and not doing this wiggly thing with my feet. So I spent the whole night, the day before the biggest dance, haven't slept, trying to learn this move. And I did. And I did. And thank God I still know it. You obviously, can still do the dance. Obviously, but I, I spent almost 24 hours and three months trying to learn this. And but it's one of those things that you've learned that you're never, ever going to be able to use and never, ever be going to be able to forget. Yes, exactly. With regards to negativity, I think the most negativity I had throughout, and it, it, and it got to me at a certain point, the fact that we changed the version of the song. Why? Because I won in November. It was the only year where um, Eurovision was held in November, the multi-Eurovision, because a week before there was the junior, so they used the same staging, setting and everything. PBS at that time decided that since we had six months till Eurovision, it was ideal that they would tweak the track a bit. Were you happy with it? I was happy, but now um, if I had to go back, I wouldn't change it. The reason being is I won with the track being, it, it, it spoke about being positive and coming out of your comfort zone. But the new track, the new, the new amended version was all about 
somehow much more negative. Let's put it that way. It was somehow much more negative. And at the time, I didn't see it that way. I was still very happy with it. I was. And, and, and I still felt the emotion it gave me. But if I had to go back in time, six years back, I wouldn't change it. No. How was that received, the, the changed version? Many people did not like it. And I think the criticism was directed to me most of the time because I was the front person. I was the person being there most of the time because many but, people did not know the people at PBS, for example, who made the changes. But, but, but we in Malta should be used to this by now in that you as an artist yeah. are working in collaboration and under guidance of all of the production exactly. team around you. Yes, but this is like have, watching a football match and one of the players misses a penalty. We just... Uh, focus on that player who missed the penalty. Are you talking about the Italy-England no. match? <laughs> I'm, no, suddenly, no. I'm going to stop this interview right now. That was really No, harsh. no, because... That was mean. No, no, because the, it's, it's one of the main examples. Which, I mean, football is something which we all follow. So it, it, it's... And it focuses about, on, on a team. And Eurovision is all about teamwork. But then what happened is when they saw the live performance, many people understood why it was changed and many accepted the fact that it changed. But if I had to go back six years, I wouldn't change it. No. So then all of a sudden you are propelled into this world of fame mm. and recognition. I'm pretty sure people recognized you on the street. It changed overnight. People started recognizing me, wanted to stop me, and I really appreciate because I'm a people's person, so I like to speak to people a lot and talk with them. Um, but an errand which had to last five minutes lasted an hour because <laughs> going to the stop. supermarket suddenly became a real trauma. <laughs> yes, but uh, it changed completely. My life changed. So there you are, propelled into the public eye and having the opportunity to sing at ILM MTV, yep. to sing in front of the Queen. I'm mm. sorry, I think that's quite a big deal. Even if Prince Charles didn't look like he was listening. He was very sleepy in, during my performance. I was a bit shocked and I was a bit worried at the same time because I was like, is he enjoying it? Is he enjoying my voice? Or, or is it just him? Is it the way he Amber, always looks? it's Prince Charles. Yes, I know, but it's still, you know, it's a bit worry, worrying. <laughs> No, don't. It's just Prince Charles. So there you are at the height of your career. Everything is going amazingly yep. well. So then at that point, did you not want to spread your wings and see um, yep. how far your career could take you internationally? Because Malta is a small place. We're very limited when it comes to opportunities. I mean, there's so much you can do here in Malta. Yes, I did, actually. Back in 2017, I spent a whole year performing through, throughout London, having gigs, meetings with record labels, management companies. I tried that and it was fun. But unfortunately, most of the meetings I had with, with various record labels and managements told me that I was too old. And I was still 25 years. You were 25 years old? Yes. And they were telling you you're too old? I was too old, unfortunately. And record labels tend to take artists who are basically from the age of 13 till the age of 18, 19 maximum. And they have this... 360 deal trend where the artist goes fully ready with the social media fully ready with the image ready with an album ready and I had all that I had all that but their argument was in 10 years time you'll be 35 years old and I don't know whether you would still be making it in this career whoa 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 back up because this leads me on really nicely to my next question, because media perception suggests that yep. men can have a career lasting. I mean, look at the Rolling Stones were crying exactly. out loud. No one's really quite sure whether they're alive or dead. But 
you know, here in Malta, Ira Losco has just celebrated her 40th oh, birthday and she exactly. still is an icon, a national icon and a musician. So where does this come from that you have to be young, you have to be in your teens? I think it's all about the image, unfortunately, nowadays in the music industry, especially internationally, because in Malta, I think it's, it's a totally different thing. But I think the image, unfortunately, far more important aspect than the music in the music industry, they're all about the image being young, being fresh. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm going to argue again because Lady Gaga and Adele, yep. London Grammar. But they started at a very young age. But did they? Because Adele came in. She was already in her mid 20s. 19, huh? She, her first album was 19. She wow. was 19. I'm never going to argue signed, with you again. No, no. It's, it's, it, and she signed with the record label, I think, if I'm not mistaken, at 18 or 17. But the image you, is not yeah, what you would expect. Definitely. Um, but that's, that's a one-off case. And I wish it wasn't a one-off case. But unfortunately, the music industry is all about the image. I, expect, I, I, I did accept the fact that I'm old for the international industry. I don't mind that. But then I came back to Malt and I said, what, I can, what can I do to keep on going? So I released my second album. Um, I worked on, on, on collaborating with different artists. And I said, listen, music in Malta for me will end when I'm dead. I'll keep on going. And Ira Losco is one of the inspirations for me. Because she did that. She's doing that. She's still successful. She's managing and we can do that too. So she's she is full doing. on inspiration. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. She is doing incredibly well. But it does seem like women have all the odds against them. And particularly with that, with that matter of age. So do you feel, like you just said you're going to keep making music until you're dead. But do you feel that there is any pressure on you to do anything in your music career? Or are you just, no, I'll get to it when I get to it. No, I'm, I'm, I take my time. What I don't want, um, something which is very important, especially to, to young artists who are listening to us, especially female artists, is we stop sexualizing the, the woman in music. Unfortunately, it's something which many producers or like record labels um, think about first. That's why, that's why I mentioned the image. It's all about sexuality and the voice and their music comes secondary. So I don't want that to be. Um, in fact, in my music videos and in my music, I try, I try to not be sexualized. I, is, is this I an, don't choose it. Is this something that is of 2020 or is this always been the case? Because it, if it's always been the case, there are certainly some artists who are not sexualized. I'm going to come back to the example of Adele. I mean, she's a beautiful Pink, beautiful for woman. example. Pink. Exactly. Lady Gaga came out of an egg. Exactly. And those are the artists which we need to look up to. Not the other artists, unfortunately, who are still artists, yes, who put their body and their image in front and then it's their voice and their music. It's, it's secondary. People like Adele, Lady Gaga, Pink, are the people who made it just with their voice and with what they wrote, with their music. And that's the way it should be. So how do we get around that? I think being determined, being a spokesperson in music and putting it out there through the music and through the image you portray. So does that mean that in a music video of yours, you don't dress up in a sexy fashion? I do, I do. But it, if it's something which I'm comfortable with and it's something that still portrays me as Amber, I, I, I don't wear outfits or costumes which are far more sexualizing and beyond Ember. 
I don't do that. I don't like it. And I think most artists should put their foot down and just don't do it if they're not comfortable. Because if they're comfortable and they like it and they like being sexualized, why not? But if you're not comfortable, always remember that as an artist, you have young fans looking up to you. And if you're not comfortable, they are not going to be comfortable doing that. So you have that responsibility of being a role model. Okay, well, give me an example. Let's make it international so we don't talk about anything local. But give me an idea of an international artist who sexualizes themselves. Billie Eilish or someone like that. Tell me who you think. Actually, Billie Eilish is a great example. She started off with people not knowing who she is, with this girl with no makeup on, with blue hair and nothing else. And a bit of an attitude. And a bit of an attitude. But people were following her for her music. Yes, in, in most of her music videos, she, she was looking very relaxed, tamed down with a, a tracksuit. Yes. But then a few months ago, she, um, she, she was on the cover of a magazine, of international magazine, and she was in a corset. And I felt like, oh. She sold out. She sold out, yes. She's not all about the music anymore, just the music. Again, if she's comfortable with that, it's fine. If she is. But I'm pretty sure she was not. And most of her fans did take it wrong. Um, and she spoke about it, especially on Instagram. She said, I'm, I'm like, um, I'm sorry if it hurt you, but this is the new me. And it's sad. It is sad. It is sad. Because, because that just- was an incredibly strong message to send out to young people, to young women. And it's young women who are the most impressionable. Exactly. So be yourself, whether you're blue hair and grumpy, but be yourself. Be yourself exactly. with your attitude, be yourself with however you are. Exactly. And that does seem to be the way that our For society example, is going, not even just in music. And it's sad because the young artists coming up um, internationally are all about the image. And Alicia Keys is one major example who literally stopped focusing on her image and started working on her music. She stopped wearing makeup. She stopped having hairdos, wearing different outfits. She just wanted to focus on her music. And that is the message she always portrays, even her performances. She says, I don't need makeup. If you like makeup, go ahead, do it. But I don't like makeup, so why should I perform with makeup? Why but what, what made her make that step? I think it's, it felt wrong for her throughout her time. Throughout her career, it felt wrong. It felt that it wasn't her. And I think she, she said, listen, I'm at a point in my career where I can choose what I want. I think that's an incredibly strong message for, for young women, for all women, but for young women. And we were bombarded all the time with media, with images of how we should be. And exactly. this is not new. This has been going on for millennia. But right now... It's in our hands. It's on our screens. It's on TV. It's in our, in our stereos. Everywhere. It's right there all yeah. the time. All the time. Yes. And it's sad. It is sad. The way, the, the, the way forward for the music industry, I hope it changes. Um, of course, it's, it's sad. It's sad for the women. It's sad that, of course, as I said before, the artist is a role model. So having them as being sexualized or being them focused on the image rather than the music... Yes, it is sad. It is. Well, let's hope for change. Yes, let's hope for change. Speaking of change, let's talk about you as, as the charity because you also have the Mazungo mission and you're the head of the NGO that was formed in 2018. Yep. What does Mazungo mean and what does the charity do? Okay, so Mazungo means Western people like us. Um, the first time we went to Africa, 
we were staying in a community and obviously we um we got whoa, to whoa, know i'm going to stop you right there who's we and how okay. on earth did you yes, come to right. stay okay. <laughs> in an african community so uh, back in 2012 um sharabank at the time we're going up to tanzania and they asked me and kidamiko to go up with them I you was still 21 years. Yes, oh, wow. I was. I was still 21 years old. Imagine me telling my parents I was going to Tanzania in the middle of a desert, living alone for a whole month, and it was something I always wanted to do. And when we went up, we were living in this small village where there was a hospital there, and we were welcomed by the by the community. We were telling them our names. They were telling us their names, but they didn't want to call us with our names. They wanted to call us as Muzungi, as the people of the Western area. Okay. So then we kept on going year after year. The people who went up, the camera people, the production people, we ended up being friends and organized this NGO together. But what was the initial reason for going? They wanted to go there to, to raise money. They were going to do to have a special program here in Malta and it hit us. It hit us completely. In what way? The fact that there's a whole different reality which we don't know about out there. Which is what? What does that look like? People not knowing that um, Western people live, actually white people, they thought they were just legends, which, which their grandparents told them about. They never saw sea, they never had water, they don't know what money is. Um, children who die of AIDS be because they don't know that they have AIDS. People dying of malaria because they don't have a 10 euro to buy the, in the injection or the, or the pills. People who don't have electricity, don't, they don't have roads, they have houses which are built out of mud and water. But they it's, may not know, have known about us, but know. we certainly know about them. Because I can remember from Live Aid, yep. there was massive exposure of what's happening in the African continent. But you're describing everything here with a massive passion. And I'm going to come to that in a second. How is it that other people don't have the same passion you have, that people don't care the way that you do? Because I think you have to experience it. You have to be there. You have to actually live in poverty to understand what these people go through on a daily basis. 11-year-olds being raped, um, going back home from school and thrown out of the house once they are, they, they, their parents know they're pregnant, for example. Children being killed or abducted um, albinos, for example, being abducted from their families to be used in rituals, their fingers to be used in rituals, their hands to be used in rituals. Yes, it's, it's the reality there. Going there year after year, and we don't get to meet the same people because they're dead the year after. It's, it's the reality there. Thank God, um, through our NGOs and other NGOs and missionary people who live there, we got to have different projects to help these people, to okay, help these well, people. And the projects are um, We have a halfway home in Wema, in Kenya. Um, basically, we've built this halfway home for um, adolescents and teenagers and people who are traveling because in Africa, most of these villages, which are in the outskirts of, the, of, of for example, Tanzania and Kenya, um, don't have electricity. So when they're traveling by night, they are either abducted or killed or raped. So this halfway home serves as a space where they can rest for the night and then they 
can continue with their travels in the morning. We built a secondary school and a dormitory for teenagers, female teenagers, who have been raped and kicked out of their homes so they can live in this dormitory, work and study together with their children. Amber, can I ask you a question? Yes. Because you have such passion on your face as you're talking about this and it, honestly a lot of these things are something that I, I don't know about and I'm pretty sure most people listening don't know about is this putting a band-aid on the situation or are you actually making a difference it's a drop in the ocean let's put it that way but we're making a difference to individuals we always believe in education so our NGO focuses on giving education we mainly help the children, the students, because they are the future of their society. So educating the youngsters will help to change society. It's useless giving them the fish. You need to give them the rod. So, for example, when we built the halfway home, we were there and we helped them build it. They were the people who actually built it because they have to learn to appreciate what they have. They have to learn the hard way. Now, they're already living in a very hard situation, but having to work for what you want will help them appreciate what they have. So education is the base of everything. Now, I'm guessing because of COVID, yeah. you've not been able to get to Tanzania, get no. to India and Africa, the different areas that this uh, NGO operates. First up, do you know how these people have been affected by COVID? It was shocking, especially in Africa. We, uh, uh, we remained in contact with the parishes and we speak on a daily basis. We gave, we gave a lot of money last year and even this year um, to parishes to buy the, the basic necessities, such as water, bread and clothing, because many of the people did not have. Most of the people did not know that they had covid and they still have problems with COVID. We gave money um, to a particular parish in Kenya so they could build a massive hall to put the patients with COVID there and to be away from, from, from society until, until maybe a doctor comes. But unfortunately, most of the, most of the patients died there in, in the hall. We gave money for them to build. It's a sad situation because of... Obviously, for us, it was difficult having COVID, um, not having the events, having to change our, the way of life. But for them, it's far more difficult. They don't have the basic necessities. Most of the people live outside. Imagine having COVID and you don't know you have COVID and you have, you're, you're left there to die. It's sad. What you're describing is not just shocking, but it's tragic as a human race. We should care so much more. Amber, you said how, I asked you, how do you make people care about these people they've never met? And you said, well, you know, you meet them. But most of the people in Malta will not have the opportunity to go to no, Tanzania, exactly. to, to go to these countries. So what do you do? Well, I suggest that many people who don't know what we do or else would like to help, I suggest they follow various NGOs because we have a lot of NGOs here in Malta help. Um, follow their social media. For example, us, we, we upload a lot of um, videos, photos, and upcoming projects and the projects we have. And we don't try to change it. We show the actual reality, which happens there, which, which, which they have to go through on a daily basis. And give out something, give, even if it's a 10 euro. I always say a 10 euro 
helps to save a child who is suffering from malaria. For us there, we have to take pills to go up there. It's, it's a priority not to get malaria. For them, most of the children die because parents don't have a 10 euro to buy pills for their child. It's sad, but it's a reality. And I suggest that as, as Maltese, we, are, we help a lot. We have found a lot, a lot of organizations, a lot of businesses, a lot of families which have helped us a lot. But I suggest that you follow social media um, and the NGOs and see what their projects are. We're going to put the link to your charity okay. on this podcast. So if anybody's listening to yes. this and they want to Fantastic. find out about it, remind me the title of the NGO. It's Muzungu Mission. You can find us on Instagram or else on Facebook. Okay. Amber, I have to say, uh, you know, when we start, started talking, I said, you know, quite often we've had people coming on this podcast and uh, they've wanted to cry. And this has been the very first time that I have wanted to cry. Oh. You have been so inspiring and so passionate and you've moved me talking about the Mazungo mission. And I definitely want to find out more. And I hope people that are listening to this also do. But you are an extraordinary woman. So I want Thank to close you. this podcast by asking you, if you had some words of wisdom to offer to any women, young women, older women listening to this podcast, what would you say? It's to never give up. At times, life may, can be tough, can be very, very, very tough. But I always say that if it was easy, anyone could do it. Anyone. But it's never easy. That's why I have to work super hard and keep on chasing your dreams. No matter what anyone tells you, no matter what people think of you or your dream, just keep on going. Just keep on believing and ultimately you will make it for sure. And I promise you that. Amber, I love you. You've been amazing. Thank you so Thank much you so for being much. empowered. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.